welcome to those that are uh, viewing this uh, uh, service, this broadcast. Thanks for joining us, and to anybody that's listening, you will want to have some writing material today, I think. We're going to reference quite a number of verses. I'm not quite exactly sure how that's going to go, or how this is going to go, but uh, i got a few things here that... Wait, I'm missing something. No, that's it there. Okay. Uh, anyway, so welcome. Thanks for being here, and thanks for viewing, and uh, we're going to look into uh, John chapter 10. And we're going to go and do another rabbit trail this today. Last week we did a rabbit trail and the Lord says, I am the good shepherd. We looked at uh, uh, good and we looked at some of the things about that. We looked at the uh, rich young ruler and he said, uh, good master, what good thing uh, must I do to inherit eternal life? And today we're going to look at um, uh, um, the shepherd and the hireling in here. We probably won't get out of verse 12 or so, but uh, anyways... Uh, some some things for us to look at here. Some maybe some you might say controversial things, but uh, we're going to put that out there and just to see. We're going to look at the scriptures and try and answer a, few, a couple of questions that we might have here as we as we look at some things and we take this rabbit trail. Anyway, first of all, we'll have a word of uh, prayer. Our Father in heaven, again we ask, Lord, that you would open our understandings to your scripture and to this. Um, topic in front of us, Lord, we just pray that you'd help us with it to understand these things, and we just thank you for your grace, and we thank you for all things in Jesus' name, amen. So in verse 11, the Lord Jesus, he's talking to the, um, the Pharisees and the church leaders and such who are giving him some terrible troubles here. He was still in the temple area a couple chapters ago, or one chapter ago, the, uh, uh, the man that was born blind was uh, received his sight, remember that? And there's still, that's the controversy that's going on. There's a whole bunch of things being stirred up here. And the Lord's, uh, <clears throat> as I see it, and you tell me later if you see it that way as well, that it seems to me that the Lord's not telling them off and saying, get out of here, you whatever, you whitewashed sepulchers or whatever. He's not saying that. He seems to be instructing them. These are the ones that are his absolute enemies, and he seems to be instructing them and trying to get across to them that he's the Son of God, and that they're in a dangerous, dangerous place. And last week we mentioned that um, he says to them a couple times, uh, he says, I am the door. Now, that, that's the thing that the Lord uses those things uh, uh, often to help us to understand things. Um, we know what a door is. It's, to, it's, it's, a, it's opening something that opens up to, to enter into another place. Okay, He's the door to heaven. And he says here in verse 11, I'm the good shepherd. We looked at that word good, that intrinsically good, that nobody is good except God. And the good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. Now, they don't understand that, but he's using the, um, the illustration of the, this as an illustration about the shepherd and... and uh, the shepherd and the, uh, 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 as today we'd have under-shepherds and that kind of thing. He says, I am the, uh, the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. Now he's going to compare himself and look at the exact opposite thing some, uh, right here. And sometimes that's good for us to do when we look at something and look at a truth and find the exact opposite of that. And it'll help us to understand what the positive and what the negative is in there. The Lord's teaching about himself, the good shepherd. He mentions it three times there, the good shepherd. And he says he gives it, he, he will lay down his life for the sheep. Give his very absolute 
life for the sheep. And we know that the Lord Jesus did that. From this point in time here, um, later on in the chapter, it tells us what time of year it is. And uh, I will look at that, not today. But it's not far from the cross. You're looking at, I think it's like, it's like December, January area in around there. Um, something like that. So it's only a few months really to the cross. So he's telling them, this is what's going to happen. This is what's going to happen. He gives his life for the sheep. They don't understand this. And when people listen, they hear the gospel. Sometimes they just don't get it, eh? They just can't understand it. In fact, the Bible says that the, uh, the preaching of the gospel is foolishness to them that don't believe. It's absolute foolishness. People can't understand that. What are you talking about? And we'll see here. Um, we won't see it today, but later on, Jesus is done trying. He's not done, but he finishes this bit here trying to explain things to them. Some of them say, and many of them says, they said that he is mad. He's insane. They don't understand it. But nonetheless, even though they don't understand it, he's going to say it. Okay? Do you ever come across a person sometime and you think, oh, they're not going to listen to me. I'm not going to bother. Somebody's laying in a bed in a coma. What's the point? What's the point? It's the gospel. And God can do anything, can he? He can reach anybody. He can do anything. Get that word out to somebody. Get it out to those people round about. Do what you can. I am the good shepherd, <coughs> excuse me, the good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. And he says, but he that is a hireling, okay, he's showing the, the difference between himself and the hireling. Um, the definition for that word there, or it goes along with that word, is not only one who has no real interest in his duty, uh, but one who uh, is unfaithful in the, dis in the discharge of it. Okay? It's one that would run away. He says that, the Lord Jesus says that, the hireling, um, and he's not the shepherd, but he, he doesn't own the sheep, and he sees the wolf coming and he runs away. And you put yourself in that situation. Say you were uh, a shepherd, and <clears throat> he says the wolf. Maybe he means wolves generally do that in packs. I don't think you'd be afraid of one wolf too bad, bad enough, but if there was a pack of them, okay, so you see what takes place. It's interesting to note that um, King David back in, uh, well, where was that? Uh, I forget where that was. Back in, yes, in 1 Samuel chapter 17, verses 34 and 35, King David was a shepherd, wasn't he? He was a shepherd boy looking after his father's sheep. And remember, he went down to see what was going on with the uh, Philistines and the Israelites. They were set in array to battle back and forth. But remember, Goliath would come out and say, send out your best man and he'll fight me and so on and so forth. So he wanted to go down there. David goes down there and he gets told off by one of his brothers and that, or, or, about him being there. And they questioned him uh, as he wanted to go out and fight the, the guys. As he, you know, he's speaking against the Lord. Go out and fight him. He says, you know, basically, what have you done? He's a shepherd. He says, but, you know, um, he's talking about there was a bear and, and a, another case there was a lion came and grabbed one of the sheep. And he went and killed them and took the sheep out of their mouth, out of the mouth. That's a pretty good shepherd. That's not the hireling that ran away. Uh, that'd be pretty bold, eh? Just stop and think about it. We have, uh, actually we have blackberries around here, right? You know, not too far away. Um, they're kind of a, a scary kind of a creature, especially when they're hungry. 
But this guy was bold. He's not a hireling. And, and we can see that David is a picture of the, of the Lord Jesus at, at times there. But we see this hireling is not the shepherd who's uh, uh, the sheep or not, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf catches them and scatters the sheep. Okay, It's a bad situation. We want to look at this situation here with the, the shepherd of the sheep and such and the hireling and so on and so forth. The Lord compares himself with the hireling who's only in it for the money. Okay, he's only in it for the money. Um, under shepherds, which are pastors and that, and, it, and it's sad to say that maybe, maybe it's not true, but I like picking on the TV preachers because I think they're, I don't know all of them, I've never seen all of them, but there's a number of real phonies there. Okay, they're in it for the money. Mm -hmm. They're hirelings. Okay? They're not going to stand up, uh, uh, thus saith the Lord, and so on and so forth. They're not going to do that. Um, uh, but he, he compares himself with, uh, not with that, but to show the opposite of that, the hireling, he's only in it for the, dollar, for the dollars, and cares not for the sheep, has no interest, and he's unfaithful in the discharge of his duty. Um, but the good shepherd stays and fights the wolf, as David did, as the Lord Jesus will. Um, what's the biggest wolf that we have in our lives? Death. Death's like that wolf coming, you know? This is scary stuff. It's scary stuff. The Bible says, I think it's in Hebrews chapter 2, it talks about the devil. Uh, he holds that fear of death over people. But Jesus Christ has defeated death, hasn't he? Because he's the good shepherd. He cares for us. He looks after us. And he does what's necessary. And he takes death upon himself at the cross of Calvary allows himself to be put there and he talks about that in this chapter that, that no man takes his life from him he give, he voluntarily gives it up and takes it up again that's a resurrection we have many wolves in our lives you can look at uh, you ever been in a situation where there's uh, um, not enough money to pay the bills that's a pretty big wolf knocking on the door, you know. That, that can cause a lot of trouble. There's all kinds of illness and all kinds of things. And we could just use that as illustration for us. But what comes to my mind is the greatest one, the biggest one, is death itself. Some people talk about, uh, oh, there must be a, some dignity in dying, you know, we can do this and that. You know, that's, that's just absolutely untrue. Because death is the, is, the, is the last and the greatest insult, if I could use that word, to humanity. It's your sins that brought it about. Mm -hmm. Our sins right from the Garden of Eden right to this time, every person. You're going to suffer that thing. It's going to be yours. You're going to own it someday. It's going to get you. Okay? Ten out of ten people die. That's a horrible wolf, that is. But Jesus Christ, the Son of God, God Almighty loves us. And He takes a stand. And He takes death for us. Okay? That's the cross. And he rose from the dead on the third day to say, See, I am who I say I am. I am the Son of God. And I have defeated that thing. But there's only one thing for you to do. God has done it all. He said, I just want you to believe with all of your heart. Believe with all your heart in Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. You'll be forgiven. Amen. And when that thing comes to you, you just go into the presence of God. 
Isn't that something? Isn't that a blessing? Yeah, that's amazing. And the older you get, the more I think you appreciate it. I don't know, <laughs> because you get closer and closer to that thing. We want to look at something else here today. We want to um, look at the responsibility of the shepherd and the sheep, or the responsibility of those in our care. What is our responsibility? Now, um, you can turn in your Bible, or you can just listen. We're going to go back to Luke chapter 22. And we're going to use Luke because John it only has two verses, but Luke has more verses about this topic that we want to look at. And it's kind of, it'll start out, you wonder, what are we talking about this for? Uh, let's see, there's some questions uh, I'd like to ask, and, and you can maybe help me with that. Luke 22, verse 36. Um, we know that the Lord Jesus um, is about to be arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane. Judas has left and he's gone to betray and the people are coming with uh, their swords and staves and stuff, a multitude of them are coming to arrest Jesus. Okay, And just before they went down there, or before that, the Lord's talking to the disciples in verse 36, and he said unto them, But now he that has a purse, let him take it, and likewise his script. And he that has no sword, let him sell his garment and buy one. For I say unto you that this that, this that is written must be, yet be accomplished in me, and he was rec reckoned among the transgressors, for the things concerning me have an end, and so on and so forth. We want to just look at that, and there was a question somebody asked a while ago about this, about uh, why did the Lord tell them to sell, uh, sell their uh, uh, garment and go buy a sword? We want to look at that. First of all, we want to look at the word sword here. And I found this very interesting. I like to, as you know, study the words and look at them uh, 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 in my uh, uh, Greek and English dictionary, no, Greek and English Bible, and then the dictionary for the New Testament. And for the word sword, there's basically two words. Now, I, I don't think I can pronounce them, so I don't really need to try, but there's two different kinds of swords. And I think it's very interesting here to look at this. It's another uh, thing for us, another reason that we study the Bible this way and look at the words and look at what did it... What did the Holy Spirit give? What word did he give? What does he mean about right here? So there's two different um, words for sword. Uh, one starts with M, and the other one starts with R. I can't pronounce it, but uh, Makaran, and the other one's uh, Romphia or something. I don't know. The one that starts with M is what's called a short sword. And the one with uh, starts with R, the letter, the word there, it means a long time. We say, oh, I forgot, I was going to bring some demonstrations here. I was going to bring up a sword. Uh, a long sword. Okay, you know what that is. But when the Jesus says, sell your garments and buy a sword, he didn't mean that, that big one. He didn't use that word. He used the word for a, a shorter, it means a short sword or dagger, <coughs> a knife. A two-edged knife or a dagger like that. That's what he's talking about. And he's saying to them, and they would wear that on their belt. Oh, that's where you wear your big sword. But stop thinking about it for a minute. Some verses in the Bible, Hebrews 4.12, that the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged short sword. It's the short one he's talking about. The word is for the short one. Okay? It's not that like I always thought, what's well, that big, long sword? One of the things about the sword, you stop and think about it, they have one of those great, big, long ones, and you can pull that out really fast, eh? 
not really. Not really, unless, you know. But a short one is quicker. Quick and powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword. The Word of God is quick. Quicker than any two-edged sword he's talking about. And in uh, Romans chapter 13, and you know, when we say chapter 13, you know it's about uh, um, police forces and armies and stuff like that that the Lord has given to, to uh, put down evil and things like that. And it says that he bears not the sword in vain. That's the short sword again. That's the short one. And in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 17, regarding uh, the armor of the Christian, uh, the, the sword of the Spirit, that's that short one again. But the short one is quicker. Still sharp, still deadly, but it's quicker. The Bible, though, says um, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Well, wait a minute. The Word of God says that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. Why did Jesus tell them to buy a sword? And you know that what happened was um, one of them says, well, here's two. And he says, that's enough. I don't know how his voice was. That's enough. Or that's enough. I don't know what they, you know, the tone or anything. But I think it was, that's enough. Okay. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Um, we don't pull down what kind of strongholds? He's talking about spiritual strongholds. They're not pulled down with, with the weapons of the world, are they? It's, a, it's a, a, our prayers and the working of God and the power of God, isn't it? Okay. So we have these two swords, a short one and a long one. Um, this longer one... Oh, I can't read my own writing. <laughs> A weapon of large size, but longer than the other one. And in Revelation chapter 6, uh, verse 8, um, talked about the four horsemen, the pale horse, and it talked about the, and people will be killed by the sword and some other stuff. And that's the long sword he's talking about. Revelation chapter 1, verse 16, the Lord Jesus has the, uh, a, a sword from his mouth, which is the word of God. That's the long sword. That's the long one. And you'll have about four other times in Revelation, or at least that many, where he, you have that same thing as refers to this sharp twigged sword from his mouth. And it's talking about that one. Okay. Um, so we have those two, those two things, and that's just a bit of trivia sort of for us. But the question is, why did he tell them that? We're looking at the differences between the Lord Jesus, who would stand up, and looking at the, the, the uh, uh, hireling that would run away. Um, and my wife pointed out a thing, a, a, a thing this morning. I think it's just fabulous that the Lord does things like this. She's looking at the uh, news and such, and said there's an item in the news about uh, a sheepdog, and was looking after sheep. Well, that's really interesting because that's what we're going to talk about today. The Lord does that, didn't He? Something. Now this big old sheepdog, not not like the English sheepdog. It was a fairly big dog. He showed a picture. It was all white and uh, just like a big fluffy kind of dog, you know, fairly big. And I guess it, it had, it was gone for a few days. And they did some investigating, looking around, and what they found was, um, what they think happened was uh, a pack of coyotes came in to the field where the dog was with the sheep, and then a fight ensued. 
And the dog killed eight of them. And I guess he had some injuries in his tail, injured and stuff. And he went off and, and dogs do that. They kind of licked their wounds for a couple of days and came back home. And they put the story together and that's what happened. This sheep dog. And he doesn't look like one of those vicious kind of dogs. But he had a job to do. And he did his job. He killed eight of those coyotes. I don't know how many got away or whatever, but they had eight dead coyotes. And that big old fellow there, he just had a job to do. I just think about it. That's no hireling. Mm -hmm. That's no hireling. We often wonder about our, our, our pet. I told you the story about our doggy, our little puppy. Um, we, you know, we've taught him to bark and make a fuss if somebody comes around. You know, it wouldn't hurt anybody. I tell people, you're fine as long as I'm here. <laughs> hey, we were on, uh, Rob and I took a couple of days off, maybe we went to that cottage down here, and they had this big uh, English sheepdog that would come around all the time. And the dog made the mistake of uh, uh, jumping up on the glass in the door, and he's barking and kind of, kind of excited, or I don't know what dogs do. But our dog, Dexter, um, you know, he's just, he's, he's, a, he's, a, he's a big pushover, right? He went ballistic, he went up to that glass, and honestly, if that glass in that window wasn't there, I think he would have killed that dog. I've never seen him do that before. It just, like he snapped. You're not going to come around here, and you're not going to bother my people. You see? And he did that, and he was, whoa, this was, it was scary stuff. That dog was in danger. Like, <laughs> Anyway, the point being, that's no hireling, you know. That was his job. <clears throat> Never asked him to do that. But anyways, we want to get back to this. We want to look at, so we see the difference between uh, uh, the Good Shepherd, the Lord Jesus, and going to the cross of Calvary for us. And that's something for us to think about, you know. That's something for you to think about. If you've never trusted in Jesus Christ, you think about death coming. And you think about Jesus Christ met it for you because he loved you. For God so loved the world. Amen everybody. God's not willing that any should perish. There's room for everybody, but you've got to believe in Jesus Christ. So we want to ask this question here. Why did the Lord Jesus tell them to go and buy a sword? It wasn't the long one, it was a dagger. Okay? Why? And then they had two, and, and, they, and the, the, the big crowd comes to Jesus and that, and Peter tells us, Peter went and cuts the ear off of the high priest's servant, right? The Bible says, here's, here's a bit of information for it. It's another little rabbit trail. We're not going to go down. We're just going to look at it. It says that Peter cut the guy's right ear off. You know what that tells us? Peter's left-handed. Yeah. The Bible's amazing, folks. The information it gives us. But why did he say that? Now, we're not going to be able to answer this properly just in the bit of time that we have here. But what I want you to do is think about it and look at it, because this is pretty serious stuff when we get looking at it. Now, was it the time in the Old Testament economy? You read through your Old Testament. Now, in the Gospels, they're still under the Old Testament Jewish economy, right? Yeah. And it seems kind of brutal then at times. Like, you read through the Old Testament, some of the things that they did and such, kind of a brutal time. Okay. Was it because of under the Old Testament economy? You can say that. Well, somebody might say, well, how about Matthew chapter 5, when the Lord's uh, bringing forth the Sermon on the Mount? And he says, if somebody slaps you on the one cheek, just turn the other one. Okay. That's not defending yourself, you know. That's, he says, uh, 
you don't need a sword for that. Um, so what, do we have a discrepancy? What kind of a, why do we have a discrepancy here, or is there? Is there? Okay. Um, perhaps the disciples needed to defend themselves or show that they would defend themselves because that mob was coming. And you know what mobs are like? They're kind of unruly, and they're coming with swords, and they're coming with staves. Perhaps it was just a deterrent for them. Stop them right there. I don't know. I'm just asking a question. Okay. Um, in Matthew 5:39, he says, "Turn the other cheek." Instruction for the time, for that time. Somebody slaps you in the face. Uh, you, you don't need to pull out a sword for that. You don't need to do anything. You turn the other cheek. It's fine. That's what you want to do. He says, if someone asks you to go uh, walk a mile with them, you know. The soldiers in those days could take any civilian and say, here, come on, carry my pack, my gear. And you were supposed to carry it for a mile, because they had mile markers and stuff. You carry that. You had to do that. Jesus says, if they tell you to do that, go two miles. Don't just go the one, go the second mile. If somebody slaps you, turn the other cheek. But here he tells them something different. I'm just wondering, how come? Uh, perhaps the time was one when they must protect themselves. Things were about to change. Things were going to get ugly. He's going to be arrested at some point. Uh, he's going to be taken to... Uh, uh, they're going to take him to the cross. Things are going to change. Perhaps when things change, the Lord says, uh, you need to defend yourself. A slap on the cheek is nothing, uh, but your life, maybe your life is so precious that you need to defend it. And the Lord Jesus himself did no harm, didn't harm anybody. Yet when he comes back, there's going to be some harm. He's going to remove people from off this earth. You read the book of Revelation when God, when Jesus comes back. Uh, it's not the meek and mild Jesus. He's going to get rid of all those that oppose. And it's going to be brutal. That's what it says. So I'm wondering, is it for the time, maybe, like, if somebody slaps you, that's no big deal. Okay, fine. But is your life that precious that you need to defend it? Now, I know I have a book um, on... Um, Baptists and Anabaptists and stuff like that. And back in the 1500s, there was a, I think it's pronounced the Schlittenheim Confession of Faith. It's in there about what they believed. They were Anabaptists, the forerunners to the Baptists as we know them today. Um, and they believed that uh, no man should ever take up arms, that they would never go to war, they would never do any of that sort of thing, never harm anybody. Okay, There are people that believe that, and that's fine. You want to do that. Um, just I don't mean to make light of this or anything, but one fellow said uh, one time about the Quaker. Uh, they don't, it wouldn't hurt anybody. But the fellow says, I would not hurt thee for the world, but thou art standing where I'm about to shoot. <laughs> I wouldn't hurt you, but you see, and this is what we're getting at here. Is there a time and is there a place when God says, if your life's in danger, um, maybe you have the right to defend yourself. Or let's put it in a different way. You have your family, uh, you have some people 
that you are responsible for. You know, um, I pray, I say, Lord, I don't ever want to hurt anybody. And I don't want anybody to hurt me. I don't want my family to be hurt. I don't want, I don't want, I don't want that. Okay. But what if somebody comes around and busts in, into your house? You're going to just stand back and it's okay. You go, you know, assault my wife and children and that. I don't think, I don't know. I don't, I don't want to be there. I don't want to be in that situation. Is that what he's referring to? And I'm, I'm asking you a question, trying to help me out with this. You don't have to answer right now. Is that what Jesus is saying in specific times? Nobody breaks into your house and comes up and slaps you in the face and then they're going to leave. <laughs> That's no big deal. Slap me on the other side. If somebody is violent like that, um, you say, well, we're not supposed to hurt anybody. And, and we don't want to. But was there any Christians in the Second World War? The First World War? Yeah? Yeah? I guess we must leave it up to the individual's own uh, what's the word? How you see it. Like maybe you would take the side of like the Anabaptists, not going to hurt anybody, fine. Um, but was Jesus saying that there was a time, there was a responsibility uh, for like that sheepdog to stand up uh, against uh, those coyotes? Our dog defending us from a dog that he thought was coming in to harm somebody. Um, the Apostle Paul it's in the book of Acts. I can't remember exactly where it is. In like chapter 26 or somewhere up around there. He's hauled up before the council and that. And they're asking him questions and stuff and back and forth. And he makes an interesting statement. He says, if I have done anything worthy of death. Hey, that's capital punishment. And we say today, oh, we don't have that. Wait a minute. Romans 13 says that's what we do have that. Mm -hmm. It should be as a deterrent. Mm -hmm. And now I'm just asking, what is the response? What's my responsibility? What's yours? You figure it out. You said, well, what's my responsibility if somebody breaks in the house who's going to do harm? I'm supposed to defend myself or just let them go ahead and do whatever? I don't know. I don't know. I really don't know here. Um, I guess what I, I used to say is that that, that person, that person had... Uh, Better hope that I'm having a good day and not a bad one. You, did, you know what I mean? Sometimes just intolerant of, well, I admit that's the wrong thing to say. That's a stupid thing to say, perhaps. But you see where we're going here. The Lord Jesus is talking about a hireling who runs away. Uh, you're supposed to stand and defend your responsibility, do your job. A father, a man, to stand up. Uh, what, what a woman living by herself. Just, just not defend herself? I don't believe that. I, don't, I just don't believe that. I believe that um, there's a time and the situation warrants a sword. Mm -hmm. And I hesitate saying that because you don't take my example or anything. You study it yourself in the Bible. There's lots more verses we could bring in here. Um, <clears throat> that one that I wrote down there, I can't read it, Ian. <laughs> and Jesus said, well, yeah, my kingdom is not of this world or else my uh, disciples would fight. Oh, so that's an argument against any kind, of, any kind of standing up. He's talking about a spiritual aspect here. The, uh, 
our uh, the, uh, the weapons of our war warfare are not carnal but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. There's a situation where you might be uh, assaulted. But there might be a situation where they're coming at you with swords and stuff. I don't know. This is a strange kind of a message, and I don't know how to answer that. But anyways, but you see where we're going with that and where, where we're at. What is our responsibility? How do we protect those who are under our care? <clears throat> One more verse in Ecclesiastes, chapter 3. To everything there is a season. There's a time for war, there's a time for peace. That's part of that in Ecclesiastes. Well, that's just Old Testament. Well, so is John 3.16. Yep. That's under the Old Testament economy. Don't pull that one. Don't pull that. Yeah, uh, what, about, what about Genesis? You're not going to throw that out, are you? Don't throw it out. You see, how does it apply? Anyway, we're not going to come to a conclusion here and say this is how you should behave. It's something you need to study. It's something you need to look at yourself. When I look at these things, I see two different things. I see the slap in the face, I see them coming with swords, and two different reactions, and both of them given by the Lord Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. I don't know. We're going to leave it at that. What do you think? Let's pray. Our Father, we just thank you, Lord. Uh, it seems, Lord, that sometimes we have uh, these, uh, I'm going to call it a conflict, Lord, just we don't know exactly what to do in this kind of a situation. Um, I suppose we need to study your word more and pray about it, Lord. And pray that I have not taken the, your word and used it incorrectly here today, Lord. We just pray that you'd help us, even in a matter like this, Lord. We see the world changing and, and, and just being, it's crazy, Lord. What is our responsibility? We, first of all, we look to you, not what we think, not what we feel. What does your word say? Uh, Lord, we just thank you for the opportunity <clears throat> to be able to look into the Bible to look at these things here today. And we just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> All right, we'll stop there. Uh, thanks for listening in, folks. And uh, we'll be uh, back, Lord willing, next week. Well, actually, this afternoon we'll do it. Okay, thank you. Bye now.